Golden Spiral Media presents The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. Episode 4, A Feast of Friends. Everybody and welcome back to the Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. I'm Tony Caselli, and I'm Joe Zettelmeyer, the Hunger Demon. And together, we're here to make you eat a vat of fries without taking them out of the oil. There, there at least was a small part of you that went, you know, that does kind of look tasty. I mean, they're fresh out of the oven. I, I did not think that. I thought, oh God, that's gonna hurt. You totally thought that. Don't deny it. <laughs> I do like fries. <laughs> Handfuls of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are here, of course, to talk about the NBC show Constantine based on the hit DC Vertigo comic book, Hellblazer. This week, we are talking about episode four, A Feast of Friends, written by Daniel Sarone, David Goyer, and Cameron Welsh. Two of those names should be very familiar. Show creators. Both of them, Daniel Cerrone and David Goyer, are both uh, executive producers on the show. I think. And yes, and yeah, basically running herd over this whole creature. Which I have to say, before we go too much further, it was the best episode yet. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's so much good stuff going on. It gives me so much hope to see how each episode has built on and gotten better than the episode previous. That's exactly what I was thinking watching it, because it's still not perfect. Nope. There are still moments where, you, where you know, you roll your eyes a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, that happens. Right. That's any show. Yeah. And, but that being said, this felt the most cohesive, yep. the darkest. By far. The sort of scariest and grossest. And also, by far and away, the closest to the comic book. Uh, like, almost verbatim from the comic book. Yeah, that's one of the things. This episode, A Feast of Friends, followed the whole Gary Lester, Hunger Demon storyline. Indeed, from issues one and two yeah, of Yeah, it, it was the beginning of the, the, of the very comic. first. And... Uh, you know, we'll talk about that more as we talk, as we go through it. But written by Daniel Cerrone, David Goyer, Cameron Welsh, directed by John F. Showalter, who has done a whole bunch of directing for TV. I, I mostly know him as uh, a director of Supernatural, which is a show. Well, I, I the first five seasons, it was a show that I loved. Now it is a show that I just begrudgingly accept still exists. <laughs> first five seasons were so good, though. Oh, so good. I'm sorry that it just still exists. Is you know, that- it's. It's there. <laughs> Makes less sense every season. Oh. It gets further and further away from what the show is about. He's directed episodes of the the hunt the the I can't even say it the one hundred revolution supernatural the mentalist and an episode of Sleepy Hollow which we love love Sleepy Hollow absolutely uh, and without a trace so a lot of stuff fairly legal man he's all over the map guy who knows what he's doing he's and all over the blood splatter. It, demon map right <laughs> but it showed in this episode too that he knew what he was doing yeah because it was really clean and i it's thought a confident really, episode right and not just the writing but i thought the direction was solid too yeah camera angles creepy woman crawling backwards and awesome you know just really nice atmospheric moody gross stuff but also some legitimately effective emotional moments uh, in particular between john and gaz very much so mm-hmm. 
even between Gary and Zed, which yep. is interesting. Yep, yep, yep. You know, so uh, before we get into too much more stuff, I do want to remind everybody that this episode of The Devil You Know is sponsored by Pro Podcast Solutions. Woo! Pro Podcast Solutions for all your podcasting needs. If you're trying to start one, if you're trying to edit one, if you need some advice, if you need some place to host it, ProPodcastSolutions.com is the place to go. They have the solution. It's in the name. It's it's right. It is. It's a part of it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to slide us over into news. News. But up, but up. All right, Joe. First news thing to talk about is the ratings of this show. We got some good news. We have some good news. We have some not good news. It's not like I don't even know if it's bad news as much as it's just weird news. <sighs> yeah. Both la the previous episode, Devil's Vinyl, and this episode both continue to go up uh, in overall viewers. Yes, which is a rare thing. If a show generally you you hit a really high number on the preview or on the first episode on the premiere, and then it either stays there or kind of flags. This one started strong, dipped, and then started rising again. Right. Like and, a mighty phoenix. And I have hope that that means that people are figuring out that the show is good. I hope so, too. Because the first episode was a bit of a quandary. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of a uh, uh, an issue for people because they had to rejigger it, you know, and yep. get rid of a character that they decided didn't work. So the second episode was essentially pilot number two. Right. Right? Another premiere. And then you started sliding into, here's the way the show's going to actually work. Right. And so as we go up in overall viewers, this week, though, the show took a dip in the main demographic, 18 to 49. Right. Which is what advertisers look at when they're trying to decide if they want to buy advertising in the show, which, of course, is what makes the show stay alive or not. Apparently, uh, preteens and senior citizens loved this episode. And 18 to 49s <laughs> were like, oh, it's, it's good. I don't know why. Maybe they just, the devil's vinyl didn't pull them in as much. But I guess. boy, I thought this episode was the best one so far. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. The, the good news has been that the viewership is going up, though. That's 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 the victory I'm taking from this. Right. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors, do some sharing of the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And what do you kids use today? MySpace? Is that still out there? Friendster. Friendster. <laughs> <laughs> on your dial-up modem bulletin board services. That was like 1990. Wow. What? Wow. If I had the equipment, I'd pull up the clip from uh, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. You belong in a museum. Or, it belongs in a museum. <laughs> so do you. So do you. The other bit of news I want to talk about is there was an interesting article that talked about an interview with David Goyer. Yes. Concerning Liv, the character written out after the first. Remember Liv? Remember way back when. Um, there was talk, uh, because I think he was asked in an interview, and he said that, they are not opposed to the idea of bringing Liv back at some point, not as a series regular, but potentially in an episode later to give her character a little more closure. And as an interesting episode, you know, she's got to show up needing something from Constantine or Constantine needs something from her or something. You know, all I could think is considering and this episode was a great example of that considering what happens to John's buddies. Uh, it may actually behoove Liv not to come back. Uh, right, she, this is true. She may, she may, she may enjoy a longer life. Boy, what would that do to the show if they brought Liv back for one episode and just to kill, kill her? her? 
I, I actually was kind of hoping that might be the case. Nothing against Liv. I, it is not a personal against Liv thing at all. I just like the idea of solidifying even more that the closer you get to John, the closer you get to death. <laughs> it's true, though. It's absolutely and this true. this episode, again, showed that. You know, and I'm I'm still very much catching up with the comic book, but that, that, that thread is prominent throughout the comic book, and I'm happy to see it in the show, too. Oh, absolutely. All right, so that's our news. And based on that news about the ratings, go and share with your friends how great this show is. Let's get more people watching. But please tell them to watch it on their own televisions. None of this, like, Constantine viewing party thing where we're all watching it on one TV. Go watch it on your own televisions. That's how we're going to figure it out. That way the Nielsen ratings are better? That's what what I'm saying. Yeah. I think basically stop showing up at Joe's house is what he's saying. Oh, God, please stop. (laughs) You guys are killing me. Do you know how hard it is to keep a house clean that often? But – then listen to the podcast, share your podcast. Let us know what you think. There you Call go. in. We got a little bit of feedback we'll get to later, but not not as much this week. We miss you guys. Uh, so enough of that. How about we jump into episode discussion? Let's do it. Discussion. 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 All right, Joe. A Feast of Friends. Straight from the comics. Great story. What'd you think? Loved it. By far and away, my favorite episode to date. I would give it an 8.5, maybe even 9 scary intestinal virus demon bugs. Nice. 8.5 or 9? What, what, where are you going to go? It's, it's right around there. Like, I mean, I, my teacher instinct makes me want to give it an 8.5 so it has room to improve. Yes. I mean, here's the thing, Constantine. People involved in Constantine. I want to give you a 10 so bad. I want to give you a 10, but I don't give them. You got to earn them. And you're continuing in that direction. You are continually moving in the right direction. For me, a big part of that was a adhering so much closer to the comic book this time. You guys are, I mean, this story is right out of those first two uh, issues of the comic. Right. And B, embracing the darkness. Absolutely. That's, there was a moment, it was a lovely little homage to The Exorcist. I wanted to raise a glass to show Walter and Sarone and Goyer and everyone involved in this episode. It was the backwards crab walk. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a, a great nod to the old Exorcist movie. That was a scene that was originally cut from The Exorcist because it was viewed too scary mm-hmm. when Regan crab walks down the stairs backwards and they ended up putting it back in, uh, in more modern times to, uh, in a more modern release of the movie. And I saw in the theaters when she did the crab walk and went, oh, oh, yeah, nope, that's that's why they took that That's out. creepy. Oh, that yeah. Is, that is just unnerving. peed a little bit. Just, little, just there. Bit. Yep. A little bit. What's he saying, Guardians of the Galaxy? A little pee just came out of me. <laughs> a little pee. <laughs> We're all standing like a bunch of jacks. I'm with you on that. I'm I'm rating it a little bit higher than you did, even. Okay. Um, not because I disagree with you, but because I really liked it and I'm excited. I, I, I got excited because it was the best episode yet. I can't quite go to nine, but I'm going to give it an 8.95 tripping balls eye removal scene. Oh, God. Because that was awesome. Oh, God. First off, the fact that they took that moment right out of the comics and it popped his eye right out. It was so good. But then also the fact that Constantine said, so uh, if we're tripping balls, how do we know to take the antidote? And (laughs) Nomo was gone before he even had a chance to answer. His response was just to laugh because he was already tripping good. I'll tell you, just a little sidetrack addendum to all the audience members. The sounds I was just making as I am a longtime horror aficionado. I love horror movies. The one there's only a couple things that will always get me every time. And one of them is screwing with someone's eyes. <laughs> it just 
And you know what? That really looked good. Too. It looked great when you pulled it out and you saw the optic nerve. Oh, the eye. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. Yeah, the effects in this episode I really liked a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the hunger demon having the the the, the big swarm of. I mean, that stuff came right from the comic. It is, and in the, the comic, artistry. it's flies. I actually thought like the weird, scary, scary carrion beetle thing was actually even creepier. Oh yeah, were they flies? In the I think they're flies in the comic book. Yeah. That really, I think so, and whatever they are, they're bugs and it's gross. But I really liked the way this worked. So cool. So let's start. So we we at the very beginning of the episode, we we see Gaz Gary Gaz Lester, right? One of the great characters from the comics. So yes, we see Gary in uh, the airport, and imagine that trying to take a demon in a bottle through customs is harder than it looks. Who knew? Right. And you, <laughs> poor guy was a not feeling well because Boy. sometimes you know uh, you don't feel well when you're strung out. Right. Funny thing about heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. I was actually worried that the guy that he was gonna because I knew it was based on the comics. Right. But I wasn't sure. You know, going into it, you're not sure how closely. No clue. And I thought for a minute that we were going to get the standard, he almost get caught at, caught at customs, but then it makes it through because the customs guy just doesn't care or whatever. Nope. So I was glad to see that this guy who clearly looks like he's been chewed up and spit out right. and is not you know, doing well is caught and stopped by the customs guys. Right. His last name could have been Shady at that point. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was great. I love that that happened. And then he has this great scene with the interrogator guy yeah the inspection guy who <laughs> calls yeah. him out i love it this Breaking is my first back. rodeo whip oh look at track marks mm, what am i surprised <laughs> and of course expects there to be drugs in the bottle right that poor guy all he was doing was his job literally just doing his job next thing you know desiccated corpse with bugs flying out of him Right after charging <laughs> through eating off people's plates and sticking his hand into a vat of cooking fries. And there I'm going to just sidetrack for just a second because I, I just think it bears noting. Um, if if you liked those moments in the show, go back and read the comic. It's much scarier even in the comic, the, the consumption, because the consumption isn't necessarily just food. Right. The demon makes you consume anything. At one point, a, a devout priest gets possessed by the demon and attempts to eat a life-sized crucifix yeah and it's not just anything it's the thing that those yes. people value the most or covet the most or yes. that kind of thing because the jeweler in the comics is yeah. eating diamonds oh. is just swallowing diamonds and you know yep. and that kind of thing so yeah pretty gross yep but i liked and overall i thought you know this episode did a nice job of making that comic which is really gruesome a little more palatable for network TV. Absolutely. They have to do that. You know, and at this point, we are now introduced to the demon. Tony, say the demon's name because I keep mispronouncing it. Manemoth. Manemoth. Thank you. The interesting thing that I liked about Manemoth in this episode was it is not necessarily an intelligent force as much as just rampant destruction. And I like, for me personally, I enjoy the occasional enemy that can't be reasoned with in any possible way. Right. There's no talking to this thing. There's no attempting to discern its motivation and figuring out what its weakness is. It is just unrelenting hunger that cannot be stopped, that cannot be discussed. It's just going to destroy everything in its path unless yeah. you and stop it. And I liked the, the way that that kicked this episode into gear right off the bat. Right. There was... A, one of the things I liked about this episode was there was a lot less 
matlocking around. Oh, yeah. And a lot more, let's solve this problem that's happening right now. Yeah, we've got to solve it immediately. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And I liked that not every episode has to be instigated by the map of badness. Right. Which is what I'm going to officially call that now. There it is. (laughs) So... After we see the intro of the demon, we get to see Constantine and Zed. and Zed, and they're out having a little lunch in the park. They're figuring stuff out. Yeah, he's helping her with some of her uh, powers. It's a nice little moment. And then Manny shows up. Why does Manny show up? I mean, I, first off. I loved, I loved her vision right before Manny shows up. The pennies from heaven, I thought was cool. And the idea that that's what she sees when he's going to show up. Again, it, the idea that her visions are not literal is so much fun for me, and it, mm-hmm. it, I feel like there's there's such joy in that. My one of my one of my issues this episode that made me rank it lower than I wanted is: look, I love seeing Harold Perrineau. Put him in the show as much as you want; he's great. From a, just a structural standpoint, why on earth was Manny even in this episode? He didn't actually do anything. See, what I think, I love that Manny was in it, and I love that he appeared it three times. Because for me, what I liked is seeing that even though Constantine has this battle, right? We Uh know there's something coming. I liked the connection to there's another force. It's not just the force of evil. There's not just this growing darkness. There's another side of it. If we take Manny at face value, I know your theory is that he's evil. But if we take Manny at face value and that he represents the force of good, I liked that he checked in a couple of times just to see how things were going, just to say, you doing okay? You sure this is the way you want to go? Okay. Now, see, I would argue that if that's the case, then what we're getting from this is that the force of good is lazy and doesn't really want to do much. Like, I, I picture the force of good sitting on the couch eating Cheetos going, eh, I hope, hope Constantine's doing all right. Mmm, Cheetos. Delicious. Yeah, see, I think I think there are rules. I think, and because he's said, we, we've seen him say, I can't help you out. You know, you're cha- Dr. Midnight, Papa Midnight chained you up. Dr. Midnight, I keep doing that. It's, it's so easy to do. We've seen him stand and say, Papa Midnight chained you up. I can't help you. I would love to. I wish I could. I can't help you. You know, I if there are rules, then let us know. Give us something. Because right now, Manny is still a giant floating question mark with yellow eyes. And I need something. Just from a, the writing standpoint, the writer in me goes, if you're going to have this character as part of the show, make him part of the show. It's always, for me, when I'm looking for things that work and don't work, I'm always looking for, is it moving the story forward? Mm-hmm. And if and I just didn't feel like Manny was moving the story forward. See, for me, I don't need him, because there's enough stuff moving the story forward. I don't need him doing that yet. For me, the fact that he's there is one of those ongoing, this is going to pay off things. It better. And I fully expect it to. If it doesn't, I'm going to be disappointed. But right now, it feels like every time we see him, it's connecting us to something that's going to lead somewhere. I want you so, to be right. Okay, so then Gary shows up at Jasper's. I'm going to keep calling it Jasper's, even though it's really Constantine's HQ now. In my heart, it will always belong to Jasper. Right. <laughs> Jasper Central. So Gary, Also known as Barry College, where I almost went to college. Yes, we know. You're famous. I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> Gary shows up and gets stuck in the gravity well. Loved that. Loved that little trap. <laughs> I want one of those so right? much. How do we get one of those? That was really fun. I love seeing the different... Um, areas of their you know demon hq or whatever we're going to call it now i thought we agreed that we're going to call it jaspers you can call it jaspers i'm going to make a different name every time i talk Fair enough. to it uh i liked seeing the different areas i liked seeing um 
John sitting and working. He was using his super cool bracelet thing to etch. Oh, that was neat. You know, that was so neat. I've forgotten the name of it now, but yeah, yeah he, so he talks with Gary. They, they figure out what they have to do. You know, hey, haven't seen you in forever. We oh. learned that Gary and Constantine have some long history. All the way back to Newcastle. Uh, the Newcastle group. Will we be seeing more of them? All signs point to yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, the, con- the, uh, the group in question that was responsible for the loss of, loss of Astra. Yep. As we move through, we find a little bit more about Gary, too, that part of the reason that he moved from recreational drugs into serious, this Hardcore. is, yeah, hair, you know, having heroin addiction and stuff was what happened at Newcastle. Correct. And it was really interesting. I liked the backstory we got. It's a shame that he dies at the end of the episode. It is, but also accurate to the comic. Yes. And... A, a very cool storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Know, that happens. Uh, but I like. I thought the actor was great. Should we have said spoiler alert? For the love of God, if you're wa- if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've watched the episode. Yes, I'm. I'm uh, spoiler alerting the rest of the podcast <laughs> there from go. now till the end of when we do it. Yeah. So the uh, <laughs> uh, morally troubled heroin addict, demon possessed fella, does not survive till the end. And then the end. Now we skipped all the way to the end. <laughs> and so thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Click. Uh, <laughs> No, they they have their discussion. It's very nice that I, I like hearing the history between these two guys. Uh, and you learn a little bit more, too, about Constantine as a younger guy. Yep. And I think that's what fans are clamoring for. We want to know more about who he was. And, you know, I loved listening to Gary talk about how everyone just idolized Constantine. They wanted to be just like Constantine. The idea of hanging out and doing a demon possession with Constantine. Yeah. It's like, that's, yeah. And it then gives you us get some perspective. Constantine's side of that. With right. Zed, where he says, Gary was just a guy who had money. He had the car, so we we let him hang out with us. Right. Which was interesting because Zed said, so you used him. And his response was, well, maybe it was the other way around. Right. Which I, I, I liked that a lot because it sounds like that group who hung out did a fair amount of using each other. It's, it's such a theme in this episode. I mean, even down to the idea of the demon in the bottle, which, you know, is for many people, that is the uh, that is another term for alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And it's like there there's such a thread throughout this whole episode about abuse and about addiction you know i mean even we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to uh nomo but you know there's a whole thread of that going on this whole episode absolutely so constantine goes to the grocery store yes which we didn't even talk about that i liked that whole scene with the woman getting possessed by the hunger demon in the grocery store was pretty cool. It was. I had actually just bought groceries the night before and <laughs> watched that and went, wow, my grocery store experience was really different. <laughs> you didn't go around just eating everything? I mean, I did. It's just there were no bugs. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. That's not good. No, I liked that scene a lot. And I like the scene where Constantine shows up quite a bit. He, we saw a little flash of his his magic card. He, we, yep. The answer we now know, he got his magic card back. Right. And the uh, people that he runs into, uh, he plays nice guy. Yep. I, I was of two minds about that scene with the kid. Me too. I mean, I, I'm a softie at heart and I like, a kid has seen a trouble, troubling thing and John is kind to him and I like that. Yeah. There was also part of me that's like, that was nice of John. I bet John's playing everybody. Yeah, I think... I mean, John's a con man. Right. And that was the thing for me was it felt like he was putting on Absolutely. the kind to get what he needed. But I like that because I feel like that's who Constantine is. Yes, absolutely. So he finds out what he needs to find out and goes skulking around the place, which uh, had <laughs> led to <laughs> one of my favorite lines we'll get into when we get to our new segment. We're adding a segment this week 
the quote of the week segment. Uh, and he walks into the meatpacking place. And I, <laughs> that whole scene was great. There's, it was straight out of The Walking Dead. There's this possessed woman over there just eating meat or people or whatever she was eating. I think it was a side of meat. I think it was a side of beef that had been hanging there. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. And I loved this part where he does his exorcism thing. Once again, we get to hear him say, I'm speaking, I'm addressing the entity within. Yeah, right. Right. A nice little callback to the first episode. Mm -hmm. So now, okay, this is a thing he does. This is how he does it. Yeah. And then uh, his little bottle thing just does not cut it. Nope. Once again, uh, and I know it's sort of a thread in the show right now, and I like it. You know, may, hopefully it don't go well too much, but I do like the idea of, yeah, Constantine's plans do not always go, Constantine's plans, do not always go as they're supposed to go. Which made me wonder, how, Gary's not nearly as skilled no. as Constantine is in the dark arts. How did Gary make it work? And Constantine didn't. And even Constantine says that later. How did a little tosser like you or whatever he says capture this thing? You know, the old saying, even a broken clock is right twice a day. He writes, Gary got lucky. He got lucky. You know? Or. There's more to it that we don't know. Well, right. Or because that happened in the Sudan is the growing darkness that's happening here making everything worse. I don't know. Does that add to. Was the hunger demon stronger here because of that? Coming to America? Yeah. Is he stronger by coming to America just like Eddie Murphy? I'm coming to America. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. Just a thought. I couldn't come up with another reason for Gary to make it work and Constantine not to make it work. I kind of felt filed that under the category of shh, 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 shh. Uh-huh. Shh, yeah. Shh, just move on. Yeah. And, and I would buy that maybe also... We don't know exactly what the super cool bottle was Very that Gary had, but he did say at the beginning, it's an antique, it's blah, blah, blah. So it might have had stronger magic, Maybe. stronger binding magic. We just don't know. Constantine now having faced the fact that his magic bottle completely, completely failed. <laughs> yeah. Just spectacular failure. Slams the, de- tries to trap the demon in an ice box and seeks out more help because he is out of his depth. Yep. While that's happening, before we even go there, All right. one of the things that's interesting is Gary and Zed have a couple of scenes. They do. And we learn really quickly, Zed has a great big heart. Yeah. She's a softie. Yeah. And I like that, especially kind of counter to Constantine, is she's the one. But she's not a pushover softie. No. <laughs> so I, I like don't think that. anyone would ever accuse Zed of being a pushover. But she sees the best in people, and she wants to believe that good things can happen. Yes. And unfortunately, uh, her empathic abilities go a little haywire when she touches Gary. Yeah. I thought that was very cool. Absolutely. And she, we, Zed exper- explains early on in the episode that she's never tried any sort of, uh, recreational drug use. Right. And it turns out that when she touches Gary, she absorbs Gary's withdrawal symptoms. Yep. And she, it's just a brief little touch. Yep. That Super fast. Knocks her on her butt a little bit. And so later in the episode, when Gary wants to get away from her, essentially, yep. he uses that against her. Yep. Grabs her and holds on to her for a bit so that whatever is in him, she is really affected by. And then when Constantine comes back, oh, she's a mess. He just finds her basically, it's her turn to be tripping. She's on the couch, you know, looped out of her gourd. It's true. 
So, but before that happens, he goes to get some help from a character that I I admit I did not realize. Now, I, I again, we have explained the fact that I'm not as big a DC guy as I am a Marvel guy, but they actually snuck Boo. in. Boo. Look, it's not my fault that Marvel has characters that people can identify with and emotionally bond with. No one understands what you're saying. Green Lantern, dude. Boo. Green Lantern. Anyway. <laughs> David Goyer has already explained that the show has access to all of DC's mystical characters. Yes. They snuck in one that's super obscure. Even Tony, in his vast DC knowledge, was like, Doctor Who the what? I really didn't recognize it. The character of Nomo, the shaman that Constantine visits, is none other than obscure DC mystic Dr. Mist. Yes. Which certainly explains the whole, the mist is the most powerful drug in the universe, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my little research, he is a character from Africa who has developed, among other things, uh, both immortality and the ability to cast illusions. Wait, what, what does he cast? Illusions. All right. <laughs> and apparently in the Constantine universe, he does so with hardcore drugs. Yeah, he gets to use the heavy stuff, which Constantine <laughs> says, it's been a while since I've done this. And he says, how long are these effects? Oh, this one will last forever. Yep. Even Constantine says, "Uh, now, listen, I'm not opposed to trying new things. That seems like a long time. Yeah. (laughs) And there's an antidote. Counter agent. Right. And leading to one of my favorite lines of the show. I I almost don't want you to say it because that's my quote of the day. Okay. All right. We'll save it. Because it made me laugh so much. But I love this scene. And this is one of the things that made me love the episode was they didn't shy away from that going trippy and dark and gross. And he reaches over. He wants Constantine to see things from his point of view. So they have to do this together. So in their trip, he reaches over and plucks his eye out and puts it in with his own eye. It was so great. You're great and my great are two different things. It was great and you know it. And then I wanted to see. It was really neat. The effect when they showed Constantine, that one side of his face was just in shadow. Yep. You couldn't see. Was there something there? Was there not? What was it? No. And I, no, I loved it that It was a cool thing. scene. It was super cool. And again, embracing the darkness of the show, both mystical and physical. I love that we're not afraid to acknowledge the fact that our protagonist has been a drug user in his day. Yep. And they're not afraid to do a little drug, even if it's mystical peyote. We're still going to see it happen. These characters are going to get whacked out of their gourd if they have to. Uh, let's just not avoid the, the horse in the room, as it were. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do. Horse being slang for heroin. Correct. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, you know. Right. The more you know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> So I really liked that. And then we get this really cool flashback of what happened. Yeah. And I really liked that version of how this demon was trapped in the first place, how the the original events unfolded that locked this demon in this boy's body. Right. The, the creature has to be held within a sacrificed human. And there, the demon dies because it ha- it can't escape once the binding uh, sigils are carved into the sacrifice. Right. And it, the demon, it, from if this, if I was understanding it correctly, the demon dies because it eats itself because it has nothing else to feed on. Yeah, essentially that's it. It eats itself and its host. Right. And 
so that's what eventually was going to happen to this boy. Right. But Gary, as it turns out, saw him and he tells us, I saw my chance to make amends for what happened to Astra. When I was there, I hid and then I ran away. And this was my opportunity to try and make things right. Yep. And, you know, that goes horribly awry. But then, of course, by the end of the episode, he's sort of given another chance. I'm just I'm trying to remember what is it that the road to hell is paved with again? Marvel characters. Ooh. Oh, what? Ooh. I didn't. That's not fair. If that's the case, then it just means that Satan has way better taste in comics than you do. <laughs> and we're done, folks. <laughs> no. So as they finish up their crazy drug-induced information <laughs> exposition <laughs> section, <laughs> Constantine figures out what he's got to do and goes to back to find Gary. And that's when he finds... Zed stoned out of her mind stoned out of her mind and they have a nice little moment they have a, they a, a nice little scene where where they we we hear a little bit more about why he treats people the way he does right and Zed explains to him that it kind of feels like maybe the first time Constantine understood it that all Gary has ever wanted is for Constantine to be proud of him yes yeah absolutely she tells him people change and he says nope we are what we are eventually eventually love that line yep not necessarily my quote of the day because it didn't make me laugh that much but it was a great line (laughs) we are who we are eventually yep and i i like that moment because we basically see him say nope gary's not worth uh, your time and and it's at that moment you know that he's decided what he has to do and this is one of the things that um, differs a little bit from the comic book in terms of the ultimate storyline because essentially from here to the end you know they go find the knife and sacrifice gary to save to to trap the demon right in the comic book constantine is even more of a bastard yeah he doesn't give gary yeah gary doesn't have an option no he he doesn't give gary the opportunity to make a self uh, self uh what what's the word like a self-sacrifice thank you he gary isn't allowed to turn it into a moment of making himself better yeah he basically tricks gary and gets him high right with the help of dr uh not dr midnight (laughs) right papa midnight papa midnight who's in this story in In the the story not in the episode yeah yeah they they substituted uh nomo for Pop of Midnight in this episode, which I didn't hate. No, it's fine. I mean, I like the introduction of more characters, but obviously, the more Pop of Midnight we get, the happier I'll be. Yes, absolutely. I'm hoping we see more of. He's in the next one. Oh yeah, Nomo will show up again. I'm sure. Which I think is pretty great. Seeing a little bit more of Constantine's support group, right? You know, who, which sounds like the wrong term. (laughs) For this episode, possibly the exact right term. Yes, and and. I don't know how you felt, Joe. I don't know how anybody listening felt. I liked the deviation from the comic book story. I do. I think it don't just makes for wrong. good narrative. I liked the comic book a totally. lot. Totally. Uh, but in this one, I liked the fact that Gary got the chance to make the choice. Yep. It shows Constantine still as a bastard. It doesn't make him look 
as dirty and evil as it does in the comic book. Well, and I feel like it makes the choice harder for Constantine. I, I would agree. And I love that. The more difficult something is, the more I'm going to enjoy it. Yes. But I also think that he decided, once he found out what had to happen, that Gary was going to be the one. And he was playing Gary the whole time. Every, the kiss on the forehead, the I knew I could count on you. He was, once Zed told him that Gary just wanted Constantine to be proud of him, he used that at every opportunity to lead Gary exactly where he wanted him to go. Yes. And I think he did it knowing full well what was going to happen. He, he, and the fact that Gary was able to use this to get his own personal atonement. Yeah. I think was a great thing. I did too. And the fact that Constantine let him do that was a great thing. I, I like that change from the comics in the sense that I love that in the comics we see him just say, I don't care. I'm doing what needs to be done. I only, I think the same thing was happening in this episode, but I think along the way he also said in his head, I'm going to do this either way, but we've got an opportunity to make it right for Gary as well. Right. You know what I'm saying? I do. Well, and I feel like, from the very first episode, we learned learn that John's soul is not necessarily damned. And I think redemption is going to be a big arc throughout at least this first season, if hopefully not for the next five seasons, which it's clearly going to get people who watch TV. Give it five seasons. Come on, five seasons. Um, But I think that's something we're going to revisit a lot. I think, the yeah, the idea of it, the more Constantine sees other people capable of taking that big bullet, the more he's going to realize that he can do it, too. No, that's a good that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, I think so. So they go, they break open this museum. Yes, they get the uh, Kusu knife. And this is the other moment that I like that Manny appeared. I know we disagree on this, but Manny appears and just because Manny sure knows exactly do what he's doing. Yep. And again, I think the reasoning here is Manny stops him and says, just a reminder, your soul is damned. And I've brought up that you could save that are you gonna sacrifice your friend because think about what that's gonna do for you and i you know i like that manny shows up to have that moment yeah and then constantine says yeah i'm gonna do what i gotta do you know i think in the back of his head he's still got this idea that but i'm gonna give gary the opportunity to see this as a good thing right well and i think we see too it's not john doesn't relish doing these things he does not wake up in the morning you know stretch go for john go oh my god i cannot wait to bone over some of my friends right how do i sacrifice a couple more people today right no this is the situation they're in he can either do this or watch the city get destroyed by this hunger demon right you know so he knows what has to be done so i like that manny appears there and this whole thing happens i have to admit there was this little part of me one of the reasons i gave this the episode a, a lower score than maybe it could have Thank goodness that the mystical knife they needed was located four blocks away in the museum in the very town that they're in. Hooray! What are the odds? A little convenient. I think, again, that probably falls into the shh, 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 shh. Right. It was funny. I I was wondering, as it was happening, I was wondering, why didn't the shaman that he went to just happen to have it? Like, even that would have been a little more makes sense, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys out there think? Did it matter? It, it was, a, but it wasn't as convenient as some of the other things that have happened. Absolutely. So I didn't mind it. It just, know. it just bugged me it's ever so slightly. Stuck in your craw a little bit. <laughs> so they go about this 
ceremony. Yes, uh, which is, boy, watching Constantine carve those sigils into his buddy's face. Man, oh that, man. Whew, that is not something you expect to do when you wake up in the morning. Yeah, no kidding. That it was rough. It was interesting from a storytelling point of view. I, I was surprised because they summoned the demon into him before he carved those. Yeah, which, which is I, not how it was done uh, in the flashback. I, I, right, I believe the guy had the sigils already carved when the demon went inside. I think so, too. But I thought it was interesting. I thought it was dramatic. It kind of gave it the sense of better carve those things freaking fast. That led us to what, for me, was the most powerful scene of this series so far. I completely agree. The last moment in the show. That was rough and heartbreaking and... Revealing in a lot of ways. Without a lick of dialogue. Absolutely. No. We go to, essentially, Constantine is holding vigil with this old friend who he has had to sacrifice. Yep. Because he knows that he's got a couple of days of unenduring agony. And we get to see a little bit of that uh, unendurable. Unendure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) English Uh, is my first language. I write plays. I know you can't sometimes (laughs) tell. But and we get and watching Gary just writhing and screaming as this demon is killing itself and him simultaneously, and Constantine gripping his hand. Yep, only thing he can do. What do you do? That's all you can do. And then again, for me, Manny shows up. It was the only moment that I was actually glad to see Manny this episode, where mm-hmm. I was like, that actually ties something in narratively that I liked. Absolutely. And I love that Manny is as powerless as the other two and just stands there watching. He's just standing there being with them. Yep. He doesn't. In The Devil's Vinyl, we saw Manny end an elderly man's life peacefully and gracefully. In this instance, nothing he can do. He has to wait as much as these two guys, but he stands there and they go through this together. Yep. There was a part of me that wondered the whole watching this, if Gary could see Manny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Not that we'll ever know, but the idea that as he is slowly dying, he could see him there as well. If, if Manny was there trying to give him some sense of peace as he's writhing in agony. Well, and the other thing I liked about that moment is it tied into something we've seen in the last few episodes as well that I just love about this show versus a lot of other shows that utilize magic. They are always bringing to the forefront how dangerous magic is. It's not something fun. Like, you understand why there are so few people in the world who actually practice this. Sure. Because it's awful. Mm -hmm. It is awful. It doesn't, you know, it's not about, you know, floating the TV remote over to you so you can change the TV. Everything has a price. Wait, can you do that? Can you not? Well, I have kids, so I kind of can. Fair enough. (laughs) As far as I know, I don't. Um, And it's, yeah, it's every single thing that magic can do is impressive. It is powerful. It can change the world. But the more powerful the spell, the more costly it's going to be. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I'm really enjoying about this show is it really does kind of give you the sense of, oh, yeah, Constantine is walking a really, really rough, dangerous path that you'd have to be a little bit crazy to walk down. Well, and Zed kind of calls him on that. Yep. You know, when he brings Gary back to 
you know, Jasper HQ, she calls him out on this was your plan all along. It was to sacrifice your friend. Yep. And you see how unhappy he is about it. He yep. says, he came to me. This is what my option was, you know, or whatever is. He says something to that effect. But you can see that it's not a thing that makes him happy to do. Right. And there was a cost. This episode for me was, like I said, I think the best one so far. Complete agreement. And it makes me that much more excited for the next one. Because it, it has felt to me like every episode has gotten better than the one previous. Yeah, absolutely. And if they are continuing on this streak, I am so excited to see where the show is going to go. And it's funny, doing just research about the show and reading around uh, on the internet tubes, you <laughs> can see there are a lot of discussions about the show where people are complaining um, that it's not moving fast enough or the characters aren't strong enough yet. We haven't learned enough about the backstory it's yet. It's not as much like the comic book as we want it to be. I just want to say it's four episodes in. I completely agree. First seasons are really hard. You've got to give them a little time. The The example I always use, remember how much you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yes, I still do. Go back and watch that first season and try not to puke. I do. It is rough. It is rough, rough, rough television. I, I, I don't think I would puke over it for sick. But, but, but yeah, I agree. There are some episodes that are just not good. No. But you find your way. Yeah. And that's very much what I think the show is doing right now. And I feel like maybe this is me being the, the blind optimist that I really, really am. I feel like if we trust them to take us on this journey they're going to lead us in the right direction and i feel like the clues are already there we just got to follow through and commit to it and i think it'll and take commit us there to the fact and, and accept the fact that this is going to be a different thing than the comic books absolutely it has to be it has not, to be right first of all if all we did was take the comic books and adapt them exactly for television right then there would be all of the haters saying, well, I already own this comic book. Why am I going to watch it? I know exactly what's going to happen. Right. That, that's not interesting. I agree. And the important thing for me, well, I know we talked about this a little bit already, but the important thing for me is staying true to who the characters are. Absolutely. That's the stuff I want to see them get right. And and I, I feel like they're doing a great job. I also have to say that, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but for a living, I direct theater. And I, I write plays. I, I direct plays. So dealing with critics is a part of life that yeah. is a part of my job. It's a part of your job. It's yes, what it we is. do. And you have to just accept that. One of the things that comes with making something is that everyone is going to believe they could have made it better. Yeah. On the flip side of that, this is the story they wanted to tell. Could some of it have been better? Yes. Could, was some of it fabulous? Yes. I truly am not of a mind to nitpick a thing to death. I'm the same way. I tend to fall into the category of, for me, it's all about the journey. As long as I'm enjoying the journey, I'll go where you lead. You have to embrace that. Yep. And this is not going to be exactly what the comic was. Right. But if anything, I would say that this week's episode showed us that there there will be moments where it's very much the comic book. Where it fully embraces the feel of the comic book. Yep. The tone, the characters, the, the those things are there. But I don't need an exact retelling of each, no. epi uh, each book that came out. Nope. 
nor do I. That's my soapbox about that. <laughs> it's a new feature called Joe and Tony get up on our soapbox. <laughs> All right. Speaking of features and segments, uh, what happens if we jump into Myth Adventures? Why don't we? All right. Here we go. And now it's time for Myth Adventures. The part of the show where we pretend we know stuff. Uh, 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 Master of the Dark Arts. Uh, uh, um, Master of the uh, Dark Arts. <laughs> Myth Adventures. Myth Adventures. What do you got, Joseph? Not a lot this time. Usually the Myth Adventure stuff is my favorite stuff to just start researching. I'm such a fan of the lore of things. And boy, oh boy. Data's lost brother from Star Trek The Next Generation? That's the other thing. Tony's a Star Trek guy. I'm a Star Wars guy. Opposites attract. And uh, (laughs) stay over on your side of the table. (laughs) He says that now. Um, Marvel comic books, Star Wars. It's not my fault that they're both so significantly better than Star Trek and DC. It's oh boy, that's on them. Feel free to call in and (laughs) correct Joe, everybody. (laughs) So, Myth Adventures. I looked for uh, Maniath. Yeah, he was made up for this for the comic book. The Kuzu knife, also same thing. I was like, well, obviously the the knife is going to be something. Nope, nope, totally made up. So I don't have a lot for Myth Adventures. I mean, the big thing for me was all of the nods to the comic book. Uh, I was actually particularly happy. I don't know if this counts as Myth Adventures, but it's just going to make me happy. For those of you fellow nerds out there, were you watching this episode and thinking to yourself, the guy who's playing Dr. Mist seems so familiar, but I can't figure out why. Why was it, Joe? Well, if you're like me and you love the TV show Venture Brothers. Nope. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. For those of you who are Venture uh, Venture Brothers fans, you will recognize Charles Parnell, who played Dr. Mist uh, slash Nomo, as the voice of Blackula Hunter Jefferson Twilight, who is a reoccurring character on Venture Brothers and funny as all get out i have literally no idea what you're talking about you have to see the show it's the only way it will make sense he's right. essentially uh if buffy the vampire slayer and shaft had a child it would be jefferson twilight uh who who only hunts african-american vampires that's the best that's character description i've heard in a long the time the only though. thing he will be he hunts blackulas he actually is very clear he's like no i hunt black draculas like, oh, you like African-American vampires? Like, I don't know what they're called in England. I call them black vampires. I've never, I, I don't even know if I've heard of this show, Venture Brothers. Venture? You've never heard of Venture Brothers? I don't it's, know. It's a cartoon network. It's so, so funny. All right, I'll explore it. So moving out of Myth Adventures, Joe, since we don't really have much for it this week. Sorry, everybody. If you've got anything uh, for it, let us know. Please. Uh, I do want to bring up, though, one of the things that I thought was the funniest moments in the episode was in the meatpacking plant. John (laughs) updates the no how many incidents have passed since how many days have passed since we've had an incident. Zero. 126 days since last incident, and he just changes it to zero. There's <laughs> bodies all over the floor. Oh, I loved that moment. Oh, it was pretty That good. just felt like a classic, perfect Constantine moment to me. It was uh-huh. great. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some feedback, Joe. My name is John Constantine. Here's where you can reach me. 
something big's on its way. We have uh we have got to acknowledge our dear fan, Bayou Shaman. Shaman Bayou. Bayou Shaman. I'm gonna call him Bayou Shaman Shaman Bayou. Uh, I'm I'm not. I'm gonna call him Bayou Shaman. Bayou Shaman it is. But you uh, can do whatever you Thank want. you, Bayou Shaman, for actually solving the mystery. We now know that Bayou Shaman is a dude. A dude. No, he saw the mystery. A- he also sent in uh a long which, Joe, you're going to read a lot of it. I, I, I am. Because I'm going to make you. So before we get to that, though, Alita sent in a little feedback. Alita said, that was one hell of a dark episode. Right? That vigil at the end actually choked me up. Phew. I agree. Yep. I, I talked about it earlier. I think it was the best moment of the series so far. And I think overall, it was a fabulous moment of television. It was just a great moment. Uh, it definitely gave me a case of the emotions. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I really liked it. So thanks, Alita, for chiming in. We appreciate it. Uh, and Bayou Shaman had a lot to say about this episode. Joe, I'm going to let you read a bunch. I'll do some of it. But, uh, you know, Bayou Shaman, feel free to use the speak pipe widget. Right. On goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And anybody else, please jump in because uh, this show is getting better and better and we love chatting with you guys about it. But we would love to hear your voice too. Uh, Bayou Shaman writes, Hello again, fellow dabblers of the dark arts. Hello, Bayou Shaman. That is an awesome introduction. Fellow dabblers. We love it. This week, we got a story ripped right from the pages of Hellblazer. Gary Lester, Menemoth the Hunger Demon. The underlying story has been updated for the times, but I like where they took it. The inclusion of Zed makes it easier for exposition for the TV audience, and it is not too painful to let her, him, tell his story. Ah, there it is. To let him tell his stories to her. And I like that they, I like that they had her get high and strung out from touching Gary. Nice touch and very cool use of her empathic abilities. Total agreement by you, Shaman. Absolutely. One of the things that's fun for me about the show is we still don't know what Zed can do, because neither does Zed. One of my favorite moments in this is, you know, you're a bit of, bit of what? Yeah, you got a bit of everything. She's got a lot of different abilities kind of combined into one, and we're still kind of feeling out what that means. Yep. I'm not sure what the many visits were about. Thank you very much. Other than the last one, but it was good to see him. Harold Perrineau is always interesting, even if I more and more see Manny as Chris Rock from Dogma, the Dogma movie in my mind. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, I say choking back my own vomit because I hate that movie so much. I agree that Manny is not all that he seems to be. You're right. He's not, I'm sure. It wouldn't surprise me for them to reveal he is the first of the fallen when time comes. Oh, interesting. Bayou Shaman. That had not occurred to me, and now that it has, thanks to you, I really hope that's the case. That's I think an that interesting would be theory. cool as hell. See? Hell, hell. Uh, as John says himself, oh, we yeah. are who we are eventually. Mm-hmm. We get a little bit more from the Newcastle backstory. They didn't get much into the comics version of Astra and her life, which is a good thing for network TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they really did sort of water that down a little bit, uh, yep. well, or a lot. But that's good because, mm-hmm. I mean, in the comic, there was some awful abuse going on. Oh, that man. was, I, I think in the TV show, they say she was possessed by a demon. Yeah. And in the comic, she was not possessed. She essentially summoned a demon by pure emotion because she was being abused. Yep. And this demon that she summoned then went on a rampage and 
Constantine and friends had to summon another demon to try and stop it, and then everything went bad. Yep. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into that more as the season progresses. But yeah, they they did filter sanitize her storyline a little bit and i think they had to again we've as, talked about the fact that it's network tv yeah as by robin says that kind of stuff is pretty hard to portray portray tastefully in prime time yes probably best to leave those details vague but mm-hmm. we may end up with more of it as we get to the big newcastle reunion later this season i think so too by shaman boy i can't wait for that once again we see one of john's great in quotations plans fail as he tries to get the demon into solomon's jar I am really enjoying that so often plan A doesn't pan out for old con job. Mm-hmm. I am a little concerned that it al- that he always seems to have a gadget or magic item from Jasper's house when he needs it and that it may turn into a get out of hell free card. Uh, it may turn into a get out of hell free card if it gets overused. I completely agree. I think that's an absolutely legit concern. Right now, the show seems to be doing a good job of even when John succeeds. It's it, John's successes up to this point have been Pyrrhic at best, and I think that might help temper it. It's, you know, there's no great victory here. Somebody always has to pay a price. Yes, and I do like the fact that at Constantine HQ, we know that there's a store of magical supplies. In some ways, that makes it a little easier for me to believe when he's got to rush out because Walmart's not going to have a lot of the stuff that he needs. So otherwise, we're going to get a lot even more convenient coincidences of him finding what he needs. You know what I mean? So I like that at least we've got a place that we can recognize is his storehouse. Absolutely. You know? Uh, but that's only partly because I, I really love Jasper's place. That's <laughs> oh, so cool. I, who who wouldn't want to live there? It's so cool. Uh, he continues. Bioshock continues. Sad that they didn't uh, that they didn't save Papa Midnight for this episode where he belonged. I was really looking forward to seeing him here, and I felt his absence. I don't know how I feel about Gary's acceptance of his role as the vessel for Minimuff and all the noble sacrifice to redeem himself, but I think I like the change. It speaks to the overall series theme of redemption. Tony and I are in total agreement with you on that one, yeah, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would like to have seen more varied victims for Menemoth in the, uh, like the comic shows us. In it, we had a man who ate until he died choking on a tablecloth. Mm-hmm. The one who consumed jewels. The priest who tried to eat a life-size oh, yeah, crucifix. Those, right? <sighs> it really showed hunger more than just for food. And maybe they felt it was too broad for American audiences. I would give this episode a solid 8.5 out of 10 backward spider walking demon chicks. <laughs> Nicely done. Absolutely. Nicely done. It was sufficiently dark and it stayed close to the source material. The changes mostly made sense and it was a strong adaptation of the original story. Until next time, mates. P.S. To settle the controversy once and for all, I am male. Bayou Shaman, outstanding insights. Uh, in particular... Love the idea of the first of the fallen kind of kicking myself that I didn't think of it. Yeah, that's a really, really really interesting theory. That's really cool. Boy, that could be cool if it plays out like that. Nicely done, sir. It's so funny. I'm I'm holding out hope that Manny is just a good guy, but <laughs> just to stick the screws to me. But I, but I just know that they're going to do some type of betrayal. They you know? have to. But <laughs> I'm hoping that it turns out that it's a betrayal for a good reason or something like that. That's my I, I'm sticking to my guns. When has doing things for the right reasons ever gone wrong? <laughs> I I don't know. Crusades. The crusades. <laughs> 
I would even argue I'm not sure that was for the right reason. Right, either, I was though. just going to say Spanish Inquisition. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't expect that, Tony. All right. <laughs> Very nice. See what I did, Joe. We need some type of uh, segue for the quote of the week. We do need a segue for the quote of the week, and not like the little weird two wheelie thing that you stand up and then drive around. But if we had one of those, oh, that would be God. sweet. That would be sweet. I would podcast <laughs> while driving that thing around. Are you kidding? With like circus music in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I think now that was the segue. A segue. Yeah, there it is. And welcome to the quote of the week. <laughs> All right, Joe, what's your favorite quote of this week? Just for sheer laugh out loud, the moment where John bites into the drug, his face twists up and he says, that's just heinous, <laughs> which is apparently in America, we pronounce it heinous. Uh, right. But boy, was I a fan of the phrase heinous. Yes, that's just heinous. <laughs> so funny. That was great. Laughed out loud. Well, it's funny. I, I had two that I was going back and forth between, and I think we've actually mentioned them both already. The one that made me laugh was that he actually said, if we're tripping balls, how do we know when to take the counter agent? <laughs> Which I thought was awfully funny. I also was a fan of when he looked at the pig and said, you wouldn't be dancing if you knew it was coming. Yes, that was one of the other ones that I loved. The, the pig and the cow dancing on the meat packing uh. logo. But the the one that I loved was the one that we talked about earlier yeah. where he said, we are who we are, are eventually. eventually. I loved that. I just thought it was a great way of understanding who he is well and i'd love and his point of view on the world and i love yeah the idea that we may vary from who we seem to be we may depart from it from time to time but we will always go back well to being who we are that's how i read into it because i read into it that that's what he believed right right then but the thing for me is the follow-up to that the quote of the week that made it all work at the end of that of the at the end of this episode was when he and Gary are preparing to sacrifice Gary. Yeah. And he says, you know, Gary, as I, as I always say, people can change. And Gary says, you've, you've never, never said, said that. Before. And he says, exactly. exactly. Right? Yep. We are who we are eventually. And I think you realize that the truth in that is because people can change. I actually saw it as he was saying that for Gary's benefit. Oh, maybe, but I think, I think you're right. I think that's probably true, but I do think there was some growth yeah. in Constantine in this episode. I agree. In that way. We saw him, you know, I think we saw Zed get through to him and we saw him doing what he needed to do, but he also knows, like for him, he has to change his ways to save his soul. Yep. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I loved that whole connection. No, that was great. Yeah. Folks, thank you once again for joining us on The Devil You Know, a Constantine podcast. We really appreciate it. Hey, do us a favor. Go check out some of the other wonderful podcasts at goldenspiralmedia.com. There's some terrific podcasts on lots of television shows and things that are television shows as well. Uh, Stuff I Learned Yesterday is a great podcast. 
as well as Triplecast, which explores three films at a time that have a recurring theme between them, which is a great podcast to listen to and join in. And also, plenty of your favorite comic book-based TV shows have their own podcasts on Golden Spiral. Yes, they do. So check out all of those at your leisure. And please do us a favor. If you enjoyed tonight's podcast... And uh, why wouldn't you? Right? <laughs> please go to iTunes and leave us a review. We would love uh, your help with that. We're not going to say no. No. Right. And sending baked goods is also fine. Oh, my God. Right? You can only watch the, the demon eat so many the french fries right out of a fryer before you think, God, I could really go for something. Right. right. How come I'm not getting more baked goods in the mail? <laughs> Was my exact train of thought. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to next week's episode, and we will talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Travis. Yes, Corey. Let's take a break from triple casting and have a chat. Okay, what's on your mind? Are you excited for the new Flash TV series? I sure am. You know what I love about watching my favorite genre shows? What's that? Listening to a great Golden Spiral Media podcast and joining in on the community. Me too. And Golden Spiral Media has so many new podcasts like their Flash podcast, Central City Underground. And that's not all. They have podcasts for Arrow, Extant, Under the Dome, and more. They even have a show dedicated to a rewatch of Lost. And don't forget Daryl's show, Stuff I Learned Yesterday, an inspirational show about daily life lessons. And of course, there's our show, Triplecast, where we discuss a series of three movies with a common thread. That's right, Travis. I guess this means that listeners should subscribe to our all-inclusive feed so they can stay up to date with all the great podcasts from Golden Spiral Media. Yes, and give us feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com forward slash feedback. Follow us on Twitter at GSM Podcasts, like us on Facebook, or call 304-837-2278. All right, Travis, let's get back to talking about movies. That's so swell.